Read in the bed and bed. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was a usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me. The new book by Amanda Steele can be found at Amazon, Cobol, Waterstones, and many, many other places. Read in the bed and bed. Right, Amanda. Would you believe it? It's speaking in bed. Yeah, and despite the fact we're in lockdown at the moment, yeah, unfortunately, we have to mention it first of all. What hasn't it done, Amanda? It hasn't stopped us reading. Sometimes in bed as well. But of course, like it, for in case anyone's wondering, before we get onto that, we have news. Yeah. Ladies first. Um, I did a Twitter reading online. Was it last week or week before now? Time is not meaning anymore. Doesn't really, doesn't really, unfortunately, <laughs> every day's verging into one with that. We've both has been like, our, our day job's not doing much at the moment, are we, so? No. Yeah, so you did Twitter reading, didn't you? And you, yeah. You're doing another one shortly, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I'll well? be popping up on Facebook soon, doing another live reading, and then on um, YouTube Live. That'll probably be my Choose Your Own Adventure book that I've never finished. Yeah, you mentioned that before, didn't you? Do you want to give any spoilers away about Choose Your Own Adventure book? It's kind of in the style of the Santa Claus book, if anybody who is listening has read that. And that's uh, where Santa Claus dies in 12 whole bullways, and it's kind of that dark humour with pictures to go with it. Yeah, and sarcasm. Yeah, with yeah. extra added sarcasm. And Yorkshire grit, as they call it, don't you? So, <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah, definitely. When's that book out then? Probably sometime in May. And what else have you been up to, Amanda? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Not <yeah>. much. <laughs> no, you've just been cracking on your writing, really, haven't you? Yeah. But you're both, you're both doing you're both doing National Poetry Writing Month at the moment. And we're both managing poem a day, really, haven't we? So. Yeah, um, not surprisingly, a lot of my poems have been inspired by the pandemic and lockdown. And <sighs> I've applied to a place that's looking for work inspired by that, and I'm still waiting to hear back. And if I don't get accepted from that, I'll be bringing a chapbook of poems out myself anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know what I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah, of course. In my case, um, people would know that I bought out my fourth full-length poetry collection. The streets were all we could see back in March, <laughs> ironically, just where it exploded mm-hmm. with things. But hey-ho, it's, it, it, it is what it is. I am moving on ahead next month, mind you. I'm going to do a 10th year anniversary reissue of my first book, Return to Camptown. It looks like it's fell out of print mostly on Amazon and stuff. And if I'm honest... There's, there's things I'm not happy with in that book, Big Stone. It's just, it was your first book, I suppose. You do, you get like a bit embarrassed when you look back and reflect on it. It's like, you know what you mean? Like, you look back and you, but you. Yeah, yeah. Because when we've been yeah. locked down, we've been doing the, what you call living room sessions, haven't we? Yeah. And I went back to my first book. And even though I've read them out, I'm, I'm not going to hide them, but I'm, I'm glad that I don't write like that anymore. Yeah. Same for me, from the first book, it was like, it was, I've been writing for, like, you know, already. <laughs> For years and years before that, but it's just a case of at the time I was in that more rush to bring that first book out. I did it wrong basically, and I'm a better editor now than I was then. So I've got it's ten years now, and I thought there's not a lot of people. There's some people have seen this book, but not a lot of people we know now would know its existence as much. But I wanted to go back and re-edit it, and I'm gonna. But I'm gonna do it, Mandras. I've re-edited 
most of the book. I've pulled some pieces from it because there's a couple that make really make them cringe. And there's a few where they're just dated. You know what I mean? With some poems. You, when you, do, you go along putting poems in, you say, in your first book, you'll find you so don't like it, or your first novel, that's going to put it. There's things in it where you know it's dated it. And you, yeah. You're not fully happy with it. So I've gone back, re edited all of it. I've pulled some pieces out and I've got. Certainly before I started my second full length book, and the sort of came in 2011 originally, the beginning of it started, there was a quite a lot of pieces that I'd done after Kemp Town was finished in May 2010, over 15 months out, that had never been issued anywhere else. Yeah. They're only in my notebooks, and they're too good to leave there, so I'm going to go back and put back 10, 15 extra poems, and just to make give it the book, the flavour of the book should have been in the first place. So. Next month, I'll be able to reveal more as well about an anti-war book I'm working. I'm nearly finished as well mm, with my friend Nick. Europa Four. We've done three of these before now. Our anti-war books. We do them every year or two. Mm. My poems are done on that now. I'm waiting for Nick to come back to yeah. me with stuff. So yeah, I've seen some of his things on social media. He has a unique sense of humour. <laughs> He's. Um, I love Nick to death, but he does have ongoing spats with him. <laughs> He's put it nicely sometimes. But like I said and. Lisa, uh, I'm not going to, I don't bad about people I work with, but isn't, I wouldn't be putting up some erotic fiction he puts up sometimes, no. pretty nice. So, but he's, he's a great guy. Watch your space in the book, that more next month. And I know, I told you before, Mother, didn't I? Since I've gone into lockdown, I've gone back and started finding old manuscripts and incomplete manuscripts, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah, I found one that I've forgotten, I'd started, called Ghosts in the Tracks, which is a 30 page poem, actually. Yeah. It needs another chapter or two. So when you say you found it, and can you not remember it even after reading it, or did you read it and think, I vaguely remember this? Vaguely remember it more than anything else. And I just put it down, and I literally have a hard copy of it, so it's a case of I thought I'd lost it. You lose, you lose things sometimes, don't you? So, yeah. And um, I did remember as well that um, a couple of years ago, I did start off with um, doing a vampire series called um, Role Reversal, which is the first book, actually. And I got a bit into the second book and I just got distracted with all the stuff and I'm back on that again now. And that book will be done fairly soon. I want to complete as well. This is while I'm in May because I'm probably going to end up going back into work in June. Because, yeah. you know, what I'm shielded, shielded. I want to try and get some of these old projects complete and get them out there, basically, or set up for release for the next couple of months. Whether they sell or not, who knows. But anyway, reading. Mm, what are we doing today? First Amanda. We're going to do a book that I was attracted to because of the cover, because it has a picture of a big barb on it, doesn't it? Yeah, and <laughs> what was that book called, Amanda? I think it was called Before and After. Yes, and all. And who's it? it and who's it by? It's by Andrew Shanahan. Do you want me to read the blurb? You can do. Ben Stone is terrified. He's terrified. Because he weighs 601 pounds. <laughs> That's not very nice, don't laugh. <laughs> yeah. And um, needs his right leg amputated. He's terrified because a crane will shortly lift him from his 4-4 flat and lower him 44 feet to an ambulance waiting below. He's terrified because he hasn't been outside in nine years and he doesn't know who will look after his beautiful dog. He needn't worry, though, because the world is about to end. Dun, dun, dun. Right, Amanda. Strengths. I like the dog. I think he was the star of the book. Yeah, the dog was. Yeah, and what else? Was anyone else stood out to you? I'll tell you what. 
I took the struck me when the drums were smoke. Yeah, the uh, I like the idea of the zombies, even though they're not called zombies in this. I think they were called wraiths, and they just seem to be kind of stuck in one mode, which is a nasty mode, and they, one of them was just constantly insulting him all the time. Yeah, it was about. It definitely wasn't human anymore because he wouldn't have stayed there all that time chatting insults if he was still human. So it's some kind of zombie or something, isn't it? Yeah. I've got to say, I actually thought the book got a great start, actually. The setup in the first. You know what I mean? They always say in books, don't they? There's um, a setup, a crisis, and what comes afterwards, and there's three parts to it. Yeah. The first quarter of the book, maybe the third of it, brilliant. Really, really good because I like the scene when they try to move him into an ambulance. When everything literally goes to pot. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me, have you ever seen Castaway with Tom Hanks? Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that, except obviously like it well, was about was, zombies. The dog was Wilson, was it? I think it was, I can't, <laughs> it was a long time ago I've seen Castaway. No, well, in yeah. the film, it was, uh, it was a ball, wasn't it? That was yeah. called Wilson. So it's like, it was saying in this book that the dog is this version of Wilson. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It was like, yeah, they, they were thrilled at the setup of that was because that what came before. And... He kind of understood what he was getting at with that first part of the book. Yeah. And it was like, and he has to find ways, obviously, keeping his dog in the front of the book, him and his adorable dog alive and well, doesn't he? Light and castaway. Yeah. There's a few scenes when Ben made, managed to scrabble things together, just enough technical ingenuity to save both their skins. And of course, the best scene in the book, Amanda, is. It was just before halfway through that made me swear and say, what the bleep? Yeah. <laughs> Where but, he ends up having to amputate his own leg and then later on he feeds it to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Sorry for the spoiler, but I, I couldn't really do this with you without mentioning that. Yeah. Well, it is after that, to me, the book fell apart. I didn't... It built up... The first... What, it's about a third up just for the halfway point. Yeah. And then after that, I'm gonna, I'll come on to it in the weaknesses, but... That's I thought it was really doing really well then that scene and it really was a shocking scene as well. Yeah. It was the only funny scene in the book for me. In the but dark humour. Are we gonna go on to weaknesses then straight away? Are you gonna yeah. force you to cover on strengths with the um, weaknesses? No, not really. On strengths. No. We'll go straight to weaknesses now then, because yeah. Okay. That was the only funny scene in the book basically for me. Yeah. I didn't find I found the book surprisingly unfunny. And like it's the case of all the re- nearly every review we read, Amanda, like all the reviews in it, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get it. No, didn't get it in the slightest, John. She goes, didn't find it funny. It wasn't like there was something there when you could tell it was supposed to be funny and you just like have a bad sense of humour. It was just like I couldn't even tell what this was supposed to be funny. Yeah, okay, let me ask you a question as well. The waiting society, this is my book, Beverly Book Course. I felt after a hundred odd pages and stuff, it started to get too over reliant on flashback chapters. I didn't mind them so much. Didn't like it. I thought it was overdone. It I... kind of shows how it got to the way that it was, otherwise, it's just like he's the fat man and he's overweight and you're just going to judge him on that. Yeah. I've seen his story, it kind of shows how it got to that point. Yeah, I felt the problem I had with it was there was too much of it. You could have done it. The ironic thing is, this is quite a slender book as well. The book was under 200 pages. Yeah. It felt padding to me, and that was the big problem I had with it, apart from the fact it just wasn't plain bloody funny. Yeah. I couldn't really put my finger on why it wasn't as good, in my opinion, as everyone else seemed to think it was. Yeah, the setup is brilliant, isn't it? It, yeah. has, it was clearly a very, very good idea, and it is a very, very good idea. 
but it seemed to lose something in translation onto the page. Maybe that's the problem. I had with that book. I just didn't think it was very funny. Yeah. Was there anything like you're you're the grammar and spelling fiend? Was there anything on that side means that stood out really badly? No, nothing I'm really noticed. Yeah. I but, think you just see it, it's just us because I could not find one bad review on it. Yeah, and it's funny that because again, I was always wondering when we do book reviews. We do sometimes like to have looks at what people are saying on it, and you can do to find a bad review or two in most books. This case, we couldn't find anything negative, man. They could do about it. No. And I was like, I, you, you, you just find, didn't find it funny. I found the flashback chapters after about the six, six, one of them. I found it grinding. And the second half of the book, I was skipping through them. And I wasn't massively feeling sorry for the main character. Loved the dog. Yeah. Loved the dog completely. And I was praying the dog was going to survive more than him. <laughs> that's, that's what, which is worrying, really. So, but yeah, but it just. Yeah, I think if it had been, I know it's a fiction story, but I think if it had been real and he's fed his leg to the dog, wouldn't the dog now have a taste of human flesh and want to eat the rest of him? Yeah, that was a concern I had really with that as well. So, what are the dog? Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> he has weird company started eating through your arm. <laughs> no, no. Dog. No, but the dog would wait till you've been fed to him, basically. Sniffing on the arm, licking the arm. No, didn't buy it. I didn't buy it, don't you? And it was like, I'm generally surprised in some ways. Like it was, what was it? Over about six months back to, wasn't it? And it was months. It seemed like he was barely eating at one point, wasn't it? I'm surprised his body didn't sort of pack up. Yeah, but he had a lot of reserves, didn't he? Yeah, well, he lost four hundred pounds of bloody weight over that yeah. by the end. But again, I it, lost four hundred pounds of the well, zombie the, diet. <laughs> the thing where it was the injury, like you always said, the fat clings you, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's not the way. That didn't seem to establish very well to me. It was a. What well, it's not that when you lose weight like that and you're not exercising, you'd be lighter, but you would have like lots of skin flaps. Yeah, stuff. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. didn't buy that. That's the problem. I had that book really, to honest with it. Well, this, it didn't describe that, but it didn't say he had a smooth belly or anything, did it? No. So it probably did have that. What did you reckon to the ending then? I'm give no spoilers. No spoilers were in the ending. Oh God, I forgot. I completely forgot what the ending was now because this was the first book I read last month for this month. Uh, when they when they left the flat. No, you've forgotten. Yeah, yeah. completely well, forgotten. That's how good it was. It was Bobbins, basically. Okay, brought it. So it was a very, it was a, it wasn't a very inconclusive ending. Yeah. And it, it was almost like it was setting up a possible sequel. No, and I wouldn't want to read it. No. I know there's probably a lot of people that would, judging by the reviews. Yeah, but again, it was just like I said. It was. It felt like to me like it was a short story stretched out to be a novella or a very short novel, and it could have been done in fifty, sixty pages. To be honest, in my mind, so. Mark's Amanda. I've given it six out of ten. The same, the same as me. That's all it was really. I didn't think it really went warranted a reading event recommendation, unfortunately. I thought I thought it was a missed opportunity, so sorry guys. Negative start. Yeah. We're back in a minute with part two. Say bye, Amanda. Bye, Amanda. Bye, Andy. <laughs> reading and reading in bed. Hi guys. Hello. Part two of Reading in Bed. Okay, now it's a funny one today, this Amanda. Because you look at the themes we're going to do today here. There's we've read a book about the end of the world, and the first book you're going to do today, Amanda, is about the end of the world in a way as well, isn't it? Mm, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell people, Amanda, then. What's this book called? It's called 1984 by George Orwell. What drew you to read this cheerful book? 
There's somebody not sitting too far away from me bought it as a person well over a year ago. Yeah. Where did I go? I think we saw it in the shop and I, my birthday or Christmas was coming up and you said, shall I get that for you? And you said, you've not seen this, so I pretend I've not seen that. Yeah, well, I'd have forgotten <laughs> I'd done that, so. But anyway, so yeah, well, it's, I've seen the book a long, I've seen the film a long time ago. Oh, that was a, a cheerful film. I probably think I've read the book as well, so. Right, anyway, for people that don't know the book, okay. tell everybody the blurb. Right, matter. so this is the blurb. Winston Smith works for the Ministry of Truth in London, Chief City of Airstrip One. Big Brother stares out from every poster. The thought police uncover every act of betrayal. When Winston finds love with Julia, he discovers that life does not have to be dull and deadening and awakes to new possibilities. Despite the police helicopters that hover and circle overhead, Winston and Julia begin to question the party. They are drawn towards conspiracy. Yet Big Brother does not tolerate dissent, even in the mind. For those of original thoughts, they invented Room 101. Yeah, the book itself was, I think it came out, was it 48 it came on this book, wasn't it? Yeah. I know, I know, I know obviously the talk it was, it was just, it was a indicative way society was then, really. So I, wonder, I think it was always that book, or it, it certainly it wasn't, it was one of the last books. And the book got into all kinds of trouble when it came out, so... Right, Amanda, tell people strengths of the book. Oh, I think it's definitely unique. Early on in the book, even though it doesn't say in so many words, I mean, they have like a few different things, like they have two-minute hate every morning, which seems to be a way of like... Two-minute what? Hate. What's two-minute hate? Just like watching stuff on the screen and yelling angrily at it. And I'm guessing that's supposed to be like just so the rest of the time it gets it out of your system or something. You're deep cleansing yourself, yeah. in other words, yeah, yeah. But then there was another thing where they was all lined up together, and it, this is the bit where it didn't say in so many words, and someone was yelling the instructions at them, like, to carry on doing it, and going, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and I'm pretty sure they were all pleasuring themselves. <laughs> or maybe that's just my mind that uh, predicted it, or uh, translated it that way, but that's how I... Mm. <laughs> I might be wrong, so if I am, somebody let me know. <laughs> Fair enough, then, so. Right, okay, what else stood out to you all about this book, then? Uh, it's, it's a love story, in a way, I suppose. Very warped love story. Yeah, a very warped love story. Yeah. And it, it didn't feel like the kind of, like, cosy, I'd do anything for you kind of love. It seemed like I'll do anything for you until it doesn't suit me anymore, and then I'll just do anything to... Save my own skin. Yeah, very safe. Save the maskism almost, isn't it, basically? Yeah, so, yeah. Ooh, bizarre. So, it, was it a particular... I know you've read this in paperbacks. Was it, it's not a lot long, the book, is it? It's about 300 pages. Was it long? It's longer, longer than I remember, I remember it was. I've read this in A-levels, about 20-odd years ago, so it's been a long time since I read it. It wasn't... I didn't find it very... It wasn't very easy to read, either. So, I know it caused you some problems, doesn't it? No, not really. Or was it the size of the text you struggled with? I know... I know I know, you were, I know one you had to be, it's one of the book where certainly you can jump in and out of it very easily, was it? It was a book I had really, really paid attention to, didn't you? So. No more than any other book. But anyway, so, strength-wise, is there anything else you need to say? Um, no, not really. Weaknesses? Um, I think, I don't know, lots of people have been saying that, like, with what's going on now, that this is, like, 1984. And I know one person who I'm not going to name that says it, and I'm 100% sure they've never even read the book. And I don't think it really is at all. 
I think if you really look for something in it, you can find something similar, but it's like the same can be said for anything, really. Yeah, yeah, I get completely, I get completely with that, so. And to understand completely well, so. But there's also, uh, with the characters as well, I know they're supposed to be sort of like brainwashed, sort of zombie-like people, out they? they just do what they told them, believe everything. But Chief, even, yeah, yeah. Boy, but even, even with the character of Winston, who was supposed to be different, he didn't feel very well developed to me, and he still felt a bit sheep like. Yeah, it's a funny book. You think when you get into like when literature comes on and say, I have done this book, was, was it for late 40s? You think really it's 80 years old, this book, so yeah, it's, it's not a very really hopeful ending either. Even, <sighs> even though I'm sure people should have read it by now, so I won't spoil it anyway, just in case they haven't. But yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a hopeful ending. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that at the time. One of the books I'm doing today is from only a couple of years after, actually, 1950, 50, 51. So it's books like that. Sometimes they can stand the test of time well, and other times they can't. And so do you think it's dated, this book? You read a lot more modern, modern literature. It seemed okay to me, actually. I know some older books I can read and I lose interest, but to say how long ago it was written, I, I think it was it still held up a little bit. Yeah, we were hoping to try and get to give you a comparison of money. We might try, we'll have to look into this for a future episode. We might do a comparison yet between this and the Richard Burton film from 1984, also called 1984. Yeah. So we might, we might try and do, track that down and do a special reading of for a special on that, but bear with us, okay? So, okay, so is there anything else you need to say, Amanda? Um, no, it, was, it wasn't an awful book. It just wasn't the kind of thing to be if you need cheering up because it won't cheer you up. You know, not particularly when you're in lockdown mode and you're no. talking about lockdown in a different way. So, yeah, get it complete. So, what are you going to give it out of 10? I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10. A recommendation, so. It's a fair, it's a fair recommendation, basically, then. So, like I said, obviously, like I said, is if you, you wrote that book, how would you do you, you, you've done much different to it? Mm, I don't think it's the kind of book I would write. There are nothing. So, would you give it the bleak ending it got, or would you just? Well, yeah, different? probably because it's me, isn't it? I yeah. always do bleak endings. Actually, miserable stuff, aren't you? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not helped by reading miserable books. Exactly. So, no, well, fair play, Amanda. So, that's all for 1984. When we come back, everybody, in a minute, we're going to go to another alternative world book, mm-hmm. which I'm going to read. So, right, say bye, Amanda. Bye. Uh, Hi guys, and what's what's Amanda doing now at the moment? Eating a pineapple jaffa cake. Yeah, it's not very reading in bed, but they're a new brand, aren't they, Amanda? So, what do you give that out of 10? It's it's interesting. But if McVitie's wants to send me more so I can get a better taste for them. Yeah. We are, we are, Amanda is open to open to sponsorships. McVitie, anyone works with McVitie's in the PR department, please get in contact with us. Yeah. We were sure we could find the negotiation sign out, so. Right, okay, Amanda, it's my turn now, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, and what do you want to know? What the book is called. Okay, the book is called Never Let Me Go. And it's by, I'm going to be horribly pronounced this wrong, by a kazoo Ishiguru. Okay. I know this writer actually through he did a brilliant book called Remains of the Day, which was also a film starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. 
said to him, dealt with the, the aristocracy and the working and the servant class that served him. Grant Hopkins was a very fantastic role as a servant there, a very up, stiff upper lip he was, and couldn't proclaim love face of a woman play Emma Thompson. So this is one of his other books. So, okay, what do you want to know? Start with a blurb. In one of the most acclaimed novels of recent times, and look, I'm not going to try and pronounce the author's name again, so I do apologise. Okay. But the author imagines the life of a group of students growing up a dark, skewed version of, of England. Narrated by Kathy, now 31, never let me go. Dramatics are her attempts to come to terms with her childhood at the seemingly idealistic Horsham High School and with the fate that has always awaited her and her closest friends in the wider world. A story of love, friendship and memory. Never let me go is charged throughout with a sense of the frailty of life. I think I might have seen the film to this. Was the film out quite a few years ago? Well, a few years ago, yeah. yeah. It had um, your, you know, somebody that your sister, your older sister likes in it. Yeah. And also Kira Knightley and I forgot. It was Andrew, I forgot. It was Andrew Lincoln? Not Andrew Lincoln. Someone else. It was three people in it anyway. Yeah. So. Okay, what do you want to know? I'll start with the strengths. For a blurb, if you've ever read the book or film, you will know that blurb gives absolutely sweet FA about the book in it, what goes on. Yeah. Because basically, that's got to be said first of all. So the blurb doesn't get a lot away about the book and it's kind of misrepresented really because it's a lot bleaker and darker than you think it was it is going to be. Yeah. Because I've seen the film before and it was a few years ago, like you said. If it's the one I'm thinking of, then I remember what happened to me. But yeah. I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah. Me. What do you think of that film, then? I wasn't expecting her. Yeah, and you're not the only one. That's why. I'd seen the film and I was surprised by it in a few ways when I saw it. So I was kind of knew what to come into the book. But the book itself is set in an alternative England in the late 1990s. And I'm going to have to give the spoilers away, unfortunately, yeah. okay? Where people, some people are cloned to be organ donors. Yeah. They are brought up in special needs, or special schools, I say, in ignorance of the largest society which their fate is designed when before they were born. What the society is like and how the donors are bred were never told. That part is never touched on at all. The author's intention seems to be explored the human condition that seems to be an intensified version of it. However, there is problems. Because in it, the donors themselves are on, or have on the initials of their surnames to signify their socially incomplete status and their path of knowledge as containers as bad body parts. So it gives that sort of distance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Kathy H, like all the other donors, has limited knowledge of this and the book starts off with the three of them and they, don't, they just don't know this. And it's really bizarre because... And it's, it's frustrating for our kids. The problem I had with it was, this is, it isn't the strength of this. If you get to the stage where the like is... The reader wants to know more about his alternative reality, and I know I'm sorry. I saw the film on the book. It was you were left a restricted view of it because yeah. of the blinkingness of the narrator, and it's the same in the film. And what do you think of the film when you saw it? And that I don't remember how it ended, but I do remember the twist in the middle and being surprised about the clones. Yeah, so I mean, it's after the film. The book's about halfway, basically, and I found it a bit fun, bizarre, really, because. It works in the context of his book, but it's unusual. Because 1984, that's what I want to do with like yours, the main character is very passive in some ways, aren't they? Yeah. This book carries on from that, really, where the major three characters are incredibly passive. 
And you'd, you'd think basically, like if say you were in the Nazi prison and war camps, you'd be fighting back more, wouldn't you? For little victories and nothing yeah. else, but there's none of that in this book. And it was 1984 like that, was it really, if you, you found? Um, well, they did fight a little bit, but by the end of it, I think they're just completely broken. Yeah, I think there's books like that, John it's I think the, the book itself here, it is beautifully told and full of sad and longing, which 1984 is in a different way, between all three of the characters when they find out what their fate is going to be. I was really surprised by the way they expected it, but perhaps that's the point behind the book. And I think it's the same in 84 as well. The similarities there, so. Because it's. Was it on the reviews in this? It's bizarre, really, because it's. Uh, it's almost given a soap opera banality in it in places. You don't tell me by that. That's what some of the review reviews have all been saying. When. With the lead major character, Kathy, she treats it almost, almost real life. But we're left thinking is it is it a science fiction? Is it horror? Yeah. You tell me, what do you think? It's cross-genre, I think. Yeah, it's something in between. Right? And then, perhaps, uh, the running reviews I've read said this is all like a description of our own lives. Journey in the Barrage and all three of them. It's, it's, it's a difficult book to read, this one. It really was, because it was like a spin on life looking at things as a second-class citizen, not yeah. just working class. Or you could, in this case, be a third-class citizen, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like it's almost like slavery, the touching on base, and the end of it is there is going to be no happy ending. No. So, what else do you want to know, Amanda? Um, anything you dislike about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a bit of a complicated one because it's. Um, have you read Huckley's Brave New World? No. It's. It's where humans aren't really made to be passive receptors of such a ghastly fate. Designed by others, it's every again, and hooks it a brave new world. The novel here presents a near complete system of control where members of a richly class stream structure, the rich people, can design in laboratories what they want. Yeah, and the people that they create in there, they're almost like acceptance of the fate, basically. And it's, it's a bit awkward because. And the thing as well as like is when you look into things on the narrator like you've got, he's done the book's done in the first person. There's too many questions that are probably left unanswered of it really. Uh, and it's also like it's inserted in unlikely character monologue questions and answers towards the end of the book, but it's a bit inadequate and it's 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 a difficult book to read, to be you. It's it's very, very heavily wrote. Yeah. What was 1984 like? Was it quite a hard book to read or did you find it quite easy? Well, there's the bit where he gets this book that tells him like what the reality is, and that was hard to read the book inside the book. Yeah, you get a bit of this in this book as well, where the question yeah. answering at the end of it is. But it's like it is. I did find the character uh, characters not really engaging. And which I was surprised, really, because after reading Remains of the Day, I've not read any of his other books, but Remains of the Day is a fantastic book. And the characters in that are unlikable in that book but you can understand them more this one i found them i'm surprised and it's the actions in the book are a bit weird again perhaps that's the point behind it yeah. so it's who knows so that's probably all i've got to say about this book anyway really so so is it a recommendation what do you think i'm thinking just about seven yeah but it's yeah. not for everybody 
it really you've got to, it's a book if you're going to read it you've got to give it attention I said with 84 really because I know what 894 is like both books I suppose how many do this book and the comparison afterwards these books you've got to really pay attention to he's not one you, do you agree with me you can't skim books like them can you so no. right guys I don't know whether the next part is going to be much more cheerful than longer, is it mm-hmm. my cat say <laughs> <laughs> wait and see guys see you all in a minute take care Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Read in a bed and bed. Welcome back to Reading in Bed. Episode. 28, I think. 28, yeah. Yeah. So many. I know, it's crazy. Like, it was, um, when I was getting my notes together, I was looking at this before and I said to Amanda, I can't believe we've done 28 episodes. That shows you so. Anyway, right. Have we got a cheerful book for us? Nice comedy. Well, it's a comedy, this book, actually. <laughs> We're not perhaps, I don't know whether it's intentional, it's a ball game. Right, this is um, another classic book this time, actually, because we've covered a couple of them today where we had one independent book, and I know the fifth one up, you're going to be talking about on music is an independent book game, but this one's not. This is another classic as well, so it's this, by Jay Schellinger called The Capture and the Rye. Have you heard of this book? I've heard of it, never read it though. It came out, I think it was 1950, 51 or just after, ironically not long after 1948, so, so what do you want to know? The blurb. It's Christmas time. Holden Caulfield has just been expelled from yet another school. Fleeing the crooks at Penny Plep, he pinballs around New York City sees a solace in fleeting encounters, shooting the bull with strangers in dive hotels. Wandering alone around Central Park, getting beaten by pimps and cut down by Australian wild girlfriends. The city is beautiful and terrible, and lots of neon loneliness and seedy glamour. Its mingled sense of possibility and endless. Holden passes through like a ghost, thinking always of his kid brother, kid sister, should I say, kid sister, sorry, Phoebe, the only person who really understands him, and his determination to escape the phonies and create a life of true meaning. Capture and the Rye is an all-time classic in common made literature, an elegy to a teenage illiterate alienation, capturing the deep human need for connection and the bewildering sense of loss as we leave childhood behind. Okay. I'm going to do something a bit different today, now. You're going to say something nice about books. That would be different. Maybe. <laughs> true or false? Do you want to do a couple of true or false questions? Yeah. Let's show everybody how stupid I am. <laughs> 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 these came up on a research team are quite the fun things okay the book got banned from schools in Oklahoma briefly true or false true correct Mark David Chapman do you know who he is no he assassinated John Lennon okay. was arrested with a copy of this book which he had bought that day with to Holden Calfield from Holden Calfield this is my statement inscribed from the front of the book true correct Green Day did a song called Who Wrote Holden Caulfield and appears in their American Idiot album. I've not got it, but I'm going to guess true. False. Oh. It was on um, Kaplunk. <laughs> That's why, so. That's why they, they regard him as then. Um, I know James Salinger has a major influence. And it, then another case going around was just before Salinger died in 89, was it? Where somebody actually wanted to bring out a sequel to this book. Of um, Holden, Holden Calfield and an old, old, old person's home and escapes on the run. 
and he wouldn't do what he wouldn't, he wouldn't have it. He would not like his cult of fan fiction. Mm. Okay. Right, okay, Amanda. What do you want to know? The stops. Right, yeah, the book was written in 51, and my notes here it was. So. And it starts off with, and this is interesting, this. It starts off with Holden actually directly addressing the reader. And he begins off to tell retell the events of a three-day period in last December. His story starts at Penny Prep, a pretentious boarding school filled with phonies, Holden likes to call them. Uh, what else do you want to tell you? You want to carry on? Yeah. It's there's a very brush atmosphere in this book, I guess. Do you remember when you always say brush? No. Angry. Right, okay. In the very beginning of the book, we're Holden portrayed as insolent, lazy, and quite frankly, completely clueless about his future. So he's, he's almost like, he's, a te- he's like a rebel without a cause sort of thing. Yeah. Have you heard of that film, haven't you, James Dean? A rebel, it's a bit like a rebel. Um, and it's a wake-up call, basically, to all teenagers, and a sense of it is an inspiring read. It sends out the message, we all should remain hopeful and true to ourselves. Teen is, the book seems to have gone down well in all generations as teenagers can relate to it. Like it's quite complex themes of rebellion, identity and independence are in the book. And it's been regarded as a classic ever since because of that. Did we carry on? Yeah. <sighs> right, well, the main character, he's, he's 16 years old. Through circumstances that preclude, uh, yeah, he leaves his prep school and goes underground in New York City for three days. The boy himself is at once too simple and too complex for us to make a final comments about his story, so it's like it's, you know what I mean? It's, there's contradictions around the book, really. But, um, and the notes I read somewhere said, perhaps the safest thing we see about Holden is he was born in the world, not the strong attraction to beauty, but almost hopelessly impaled on it. So it's, it's a funny book, this one, at the best of times, because, and the weaknesses will explain why. A lot of it is, is, it's over the plot. Yeah. Plot, or what, well, rather, there isn't really one. <laughs> it took me ages to read this book, because nothing seems to happen. I think I've read a few books like that. I have. The main character of Holden, and the book gives is of its time. And it regards the classic, because of the way the book was wrote at the time, it's completely never been wrote before, like, 1948 was. But it's a difficult book to read because there's nothing happens in it and it just seems to meander. And apart from Holden, I struggle to maintain much of an interest in anybody. I've got this for an introduction. And and let me read this out to you, okay? You're going to hear the first five lines of the book. Yeah. You love this. If you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me. And all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. Yeah. Can you tell me how that would you would that grab you for an introduction of the book? I suppose it tells you about the character, but it wouldn't really grab you. No. I've had a lot of trouble with the book, really, because you had the case where throughout the book were holding, thinking everybody beside him was a phony and a moron. And he makes it very clear, because he mentions it, like, of every two pages. Literally. Yeah. And I think after a bit, it gets on your nerves when the plot... It just doesn't seem to go anywhere. There's a lot of dialogue. And you can see the angerness and the rebellion in it, but you don't, there's no sense in yeah, it. So it's just a typical teenager who thinks he knows better than anybody else. Basically, yeah. That's the point. I think that's the point behind it, but it's, 
If you look through the book with a load of plot, there's not one anywhere. There's a two hundred the one hundred is two hundred fifty three hundred pages. And it was it took me weeks to read because I couldn't it was you put you in five page weekends, so when's gonna get going? When's gonna get going? And what do you think? It doesn't. That's all I've got to say, Amanda. So is this going to be a recommendation? <laughs> I think I admired it rather and liked it, to be honest with you. It was probably ground, but I think it's, it's one of the books, it certainly was groundbreaking in the day. But I think it's dated a lot now. Yeah. And for that both reasons, and I don't, it was difficult to read. I didn't really enjoy it. So, what do you reckon when I give it? Um, I think it'll be lucky if it gets a recommendation. <laughs> <to all that. laughs> Six. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. So, all right, guys, let's end the part four. So when we come back, I've got. I know Amanda's going to drag drag us into some more nightmares, isn't she? Yeah, but at least mine's not going to resemble reality. See you all in a minute, guys. Say bye, Amanda. Hi, guys. Hello. Part five now. We've swapped around a bit this time, because normally we tend to take it in turns, Amanda, don't we? So, yeah. But well, this time, Amanda decided to take over the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did three, uh, book three, parts three and four. But I wanted, because I know what this last book's about, and I thought, hopefully it would be more uplifting than the two books I've just reviewed. You'll be able to tell from a title how uplifting this book is. Go on, Amanda. It's called Nano Nightmares. Right, Amanda, what is a nano? Well, I can tell you the blurb and that'll answer your question yeah, for you. Go for it. Nano Nightmares presents a new type of terror, an anthology of short two-sentence stories contributed by 60 talented horror authors, stories that explore an uncomfortable and often shocking themes ranging from mortal fears to chronic phobias, stories that will shock and amaze you. Nano Nightmares has been a truly international project involving writers from right across the globe and demonstrating the similarities in what frightens and horrifies us. It is fascinating to see common themes from very different societies, human fears that reverberate from the Americas and Europe, Asia and as far as Australia. Are you scared of spiders being buried alive? Prepare to be chilled to the bones and leave the lights on while you indulge in these tiny tidbits of terror. Fantastic. Now, you found out about this project, didn't you, originally for us too, so people may wonder, we are actually both featured in this book, Amanda, aren't we? So, yeah, we're not going to comment on our own bits in it, though, no, that would be a bit narcissistic. Narcissistic. I will read out my, one of my pieces for it in a bit, if you want to, Amanda. Yeah. Do you want to read one of yours out? No, no, I've got, I'm going to read some other people's out where I've given me permission. Sounds good to me. Then read out, okay, Amanda, tell us, on, first of all, Amanda, then, how did you find out about this book, then? We, Can you remember? Yeah, we often check one called Kathy's Comps and Calls. Oh, I was on Kathy's one, was it? Right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I never knew where you got that from, actually. And you kind of persuaded me to have a go at this. I think I sent three in. And I know I got two published. You had about four going, didn't you? About four or five, yeah. yeah. I sent a couple more in than that. So most of them got accepted. Yeah, but what people are wondering with this is what we're talking about here is this is microfiction down to a real T, yeah. isn't it? Some people are more creative than others with the two sentence by putting a lot of commas. And do you notice when we say two sentences, everybody? What is it, Mandy, you have to do? It's two sentence horror stories, right, yeah. isn't it? 
Well, some people put a lot of commas in to get around that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did, did I? No, think? no, no. There were some that was quite, quite looked quite long. And when you're reading it, you thought normally, you know, you wouldn't really have a comma there. That would be a new sentence, but you've put that in to try and keep it two sentences. Yes. It's very interesting, right? Did, how do you feel, Amanda, then? I'm not going to go into any bad mouth against people in this book, because I think what I've seen in this book is a very good book, actually. How do you feel? Do you think when you write those sort of stories, should you be trying to pay some out, pad them out with the commas or to try and give two quick, shorter as you can? I think it probably works a mixture of both. Yeah, okay, fair enough then. But what have you got to say about the book of London? Strengths wise, and start off with. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea, I think, for people that are maybe struggling to write or they want to write some horror book. They've not written a novel, they can't write a novel or something, or they just want to have a bit of time out from writing a novel yeah. just to get two sentences down. Well, you got me doing it, didn't you? And I, didn't, yeah. I, think, I don't think you expected me to do it, were you? So. No. Oh, no, I was surprised you, anyway, certainly so. So, anyway, Amanda, what have you got to say about this book then? Yeah, I'd say there's probably about 90% of it that I really enjoyed, which is good for an anthology. That's very good, because okay, I know you've, well, we've reviewed other anthologies you've been in before now, and you've come way after thinking, Hundred, hundred, haven't you really? So yeah, but like I said, but this one looks like what well, I said looks like it's a very good book actually. So been one of the best and better anthologies I've seen you with them on the as well. Yeah, so. like the blurb says, it plays on a lot of universal fears, and there are some that made me think, oh, scary, and then others that like sort of like a bit of a joke, or yeah. maybe it's with my dark sense of humour again. Bleak sense of humour, yeah. yeah so people yeah, yeah. are getting like the heads chopped off with axes and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, the usual funny stuff. <laughs> yeah. Comical as always, knowing Amanda. So, definitely. So, no, no, definitely that one today. So, go on. And anyway, carry on, Amanda. Then. What else you got to say? Yeah, I thought it was really well put together. I liked the little sort of subtle artworks, so rather than like big pictures and stuff, they were just like little mm. images of clowns and spiders and eyeballs and stuff that was relevant to the story. Yeah. I think what's always good about this when you're doing this sort of book is like this, isn't it? You tell me if you agree with this. Is, they don't have to do a lot of editing, really, do they? So. No. But with them being short, it's like there could have been a lot of blank space, so they kind of filled that with just, like, little black and white tiny images between it, and it worked really well and made the book look a lot better. Wasn't the 60 or 60 odd authors of the spot in the book, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, and I've got the book in front of me now, and it's actually 160 odd pages. Like I said, because I, some of the writers would what three or four short stuff, like more announcements. Up to four or five short stories in it, and if you don't, what's always good is like if you don't like one of them, you can always skip the next, next, can it, can't you? So it's, yeah, and they have to have to be told like quite, they have to put an impact to you straight away, don't they? Yeah. Bang, bang, yeah. So I've got three here from authors have given me permission to read their stories out. Mm. So the first one's from Pamela Kinney. My wife called out in surprise, she surprised me all right as she swung the axe and severed my head from my shoulders. Yeah, 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 you would pick that one. And the second one is from Charles Remington. Reaching up, I can feel that my right ear has gone. My eyelids are rapidly following suit. The nanobots that were supposed to weak my cancer failed to stop there. I can see my horrified medical team on the other side of the grass, glass, wincing at my obvious intolerable pain. Why don't they kill me now? Kill me now. So that's no. one that was quite creative with the commas. Yeah. Just what I guessed. There's a lot of commas there. How many lines is that? About a good few lines that one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's good. Stuff. Very good. Well, so like you can see that he's used the commas there to keep, keep the story going a bit longer. Just been clever. So. And the final one I've got to read out is by Fiona M. Jones. Being a hypnotist had never paid well, so Dorian switched to cosmetic surgery. When his patients woke up, they always saw exactly what they wished for, and nobody ever told them the truth. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Not clever. Very, very clever indeed there. So, do you want to, should we give people a flavour of one of mine then? Yeah. In front of me. I know, um, no people that tackle any of these, they do even so much, it's probably the best way of doing it. Yeah. Here's my first one, okay? And I do apologise for this. She looked at her sister and brother-in-law tied up on the floor. Neither one of them would ever laugh at her again after she cut off her toes one by one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to say nothing else there, right? No. <laughs> so, so that's, that's probably one of the more grisly ones in the book, that probably. Oh, no, there's quite a few yeah. grisly ones. Now, seriously, man, is there anything you don't really like about this book? No, not really. And that been the case, and obviously that been if there's no no negativity, then is that a ten out of ten? It's a nine, because like I said, there's ninety percent that I liked. So yeah, well, it's, it's supposed yeah, to be ten. Which is good for an anthology because you're never gonna like everything, are you? No, it's it's, different. It's got more hits and misses, that's for sure, yeah. isn't it? So no, good stuff, good stuff. So right, well, guys and girls, that's it, isn't it, Monday? Yeah. Now, are we going to give this hints away what we're reading for next month? I can mention a certain John Bishop book. Yes, and what's a John Bishop book you've got? I think it's called Getting Old, and then it's got the subtitle A Middle-Aged Man Mourning. I've got, I've got as we kindle the drums, I can confirm the title to that. How to Grow Old, A Middle-Aged middle-aged Man Mourning. Yeah, and I did remember the bit about The Middle-Aged Man yeah. Mourning. Well, <laughs> my, 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 the, the first book, I'm not. I'm going to read that with the man the next month, to be honest, but... I'm currently going through Tom Baker's autobiography. Tom Baker was fortunately from the fourth Doctor Who called Who on Earth is Tom Baker? And that's a middle-aged man moaning as well. <laughs> so that theme, except I've got a book that doesn't have any middle-aged men moaning in it, so I've ruined the theme already. And what's the, first, what's the other one you're reading then? It's called My Lies, Your Lies. Who's that by then? Can you remember? Or... Susan, I've forgotten the surname. Well, I've got, um, I'm debating that. I've got, I do have another I've got a ghost book I want to read at some point and I've got The Woman in Black. So whether I get a chance to read that next month, yeah, I don't know yet because I want to read some poetry next month as well. But guys and girls, seriously, to conclude, stay safe at the moment. It's difficult times or in this world wherever you listen to at the moment. And do what we're doing at the moment ourselves is read. Yeah. Look after yourself seriously at the moment. We're pretty well flat-bound at the moment and we're trying to make sure we keep proactive and stay sane. And do you want to add to that, Amanda? No. Just read lots of books. Yeah. Preferably ours. But if not, somebody else's. <laughs> read. Okay, seriously, okay. And take care, guys, okay? See you all soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, by the way, guys, didn't mention, you never guess what we're going to do now, Amanda. We'll be pineapple jaff cakes. Yeah, and lots of them. McVitie's, we will do, do accept sponsorship. Yeah, send them all. <laughs> See you soon, guys. Bye. Bye. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was a usual room. He knew that. He knew Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Cobol, 
Wardstones and many, many other places. Read in the bed and bed. Read in the bed and 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 bed and